Listen to this good word, God's word from the Gospel of Mark. But in those days following the distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. It is uh, good to uh, see you this morning. And um, I'm reminded every week um, when I come here to worship, uh, what an incredible privilege it is to be together and to worship God. And, um, and, I, and I recognize, too, as we come, we all come with a variety of, of concerns and a variety of issues and a variety of things on our hearts. And uh, it's amazing to me that somehow God gathers us together and, and allows us to worship and to, to hear his word, to sing, to pray, and to in some way be changed um, by his spirit when we gather like this. I want to encourage you as we go through this Advent season and into Christmas, it may get more and more difficult for you to show up because you're going to be very tired um, this is what it's about, being here together to worship him and to give thanks for him. Well, I recently came across some writings from a pastor who I'd never heard of before, um, and, and I really like this because he wondered how the media might report the end of the world. <laughs> and so he put together a few possible headlines. Okay? USA Today, we're all dead. The Wall Street Journal, Dow Jones plummets as the world ends. Got to love this one. National Enquirer, OJ and Nicole together again. <laughs> Inc. Magazine, 10 ways that you can profit from the apocalypse. Playboy, girls of the apocalypse. Ladies Home Journal, lose 10 pounds by Judgment Day with our new Armageddon diet. TV Guide, death and damnation, Nielsen ratings soar. Microsoft's website, if you don't experience the rapture, download software patch rapt777.exe. America Online, systems temporarily down, try calling back in 15 minutes. Rolling Stone, <laughs> the Grateful Dead reunion tour. And Sports Illustrated, game over. Game over. Well, it may seem strange to some of you, maybe to many of you, that on this first Sunday in Advent, after Andy so eloquently described what Advent is, the season in which we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, that we're talking about the end of the world. struck me as I was preparing the sermon this week that when I was a new believer, which was more than a few years ago, that people were really hyped over the whole second coming of Christ issue. In fact, I remember on New Year's Eve, 1973... Um, going to the Seattle Coliseum and hearing a guy named Hal Lindsey, who had written a book called The Late Great Planet Earth, talk about how it was all coming to an end. And I was scared to death when I walked out of that place. I didn't walk away with hope. I walked away fearful, dreading that day. 
Well, I want to offer a word of explanation about why we're talking about this text this morning. The season of Advent is about the birth of Christ. It does anticipate the birth of Jesus, of the Lord as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, but the season is also about the coming of the Lord as a judge, a mighty and powerful judge, the Lord of all creation, the Lord of the universe. During Advent, we not only look back and remember how Christ came, but we look forward in anticipation of his coming again, his second advent. The Apostle Paul referred to this event as our blessed hope, our blessed hope, and that's indeed what it is. So the question of the season and our challenge, I believe, in the days ahead as we prepare for Christmas is not merely to be ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but more importantly, are we ready to meet God, to stand before him as our Savior, as our judge, as our friend, and to give an accounting for what we've done with our lives. Are we ready? That's the bigger question of Advent, really. The question for you and me and for the rest of the world is not are we ready in the same way that survivalists get ready for that next big war, but are we ready for Christ? Are we ready to meet him face to face, to be redeemed once and for all? Are we ready? The question is not have we saved enough canned food, bottled water, and toilet paper to survive a natural disaster, even though that may be important, but have we prepared our eternal souls to dwell in heaven with the one who created us? These are big questions. This passage from Mark's Gospel deals with the end of time, as we know it. The time when God returns to judge the world. The time when the Son of Man, with his angels, as we read, comes to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the of the heaven. This is a puzzling passage. It's ambiguous. It's strange. It's a passage that seems to me to raise more questions than provide answers. These are two of the primary questions. And remember the context here. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And if you know anything about his disciples, they had a lot of questions, just like we do. But these are the two primary questions. When will these things happen? When will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? When will these things happen? How will we know when the time has come? These are the questions that the first disciples asked, and I believe that they continue to be the questions that we ask, many of us ask. We want answers. Not just on this topic, but on a variety of topics. We want dates. We want places. We want times. We want to know. We want to know. We want a crib sheet that will help us identify precisely when the end will come. In spite of Jesus' disclaimer that no one knows, not even him, many people, many religious authors continue to claim that they have decoded the mystery and that they can speak for God. Tragically, these paperback prophets think that they comprehend more than Jesus and can arrange all events in a timetable. Their arrogance and their stupidity, in some cases, holds us all up to ridicule. Well, Jesus warned against this kind of speculation. He warned against this kind of hysteria. He deliberately gave no information that was helpful in fixing any date. You can read through the Gospels, and you're not going to find dates and times. Yet false prophets continue to rise up, and they claim that they've cracked the code. They have the answer to God's best-kept secret. I remember 
watching a television preacher run through a long list of fulfilled prophecies. And he confidently described what was going to happen next on the world scene. Not once did he mention what we as viewers were supposed to do, except to send money in to receive more prophecies. Not one thing was said about what we were to do or how we were to live our lives differently as a result of the information they gave. Evidently, this was simply meant for entertainment. And in a kind of a sick way, it was entertaining. Well, I want to get off this topic, okay? And let's move on. Notice this. Although Jesus tells his followers that certain things must happen before the end comes, and he doesn't tell them, actually, what they really long to know. He doesn't give them or us the information that we really want, and that is the precise dates and times. The reason is clear. God has not revealed that even to Christ himself. Jesus is uncertain of the Father's timing. Why do so many followers get so hung up on it all? Is it possible that God doesn't deem it vital that we know? Is it possible that he has something else in mind for us as we live between the first and the second advent? Are there other things that we should be doing instead of watching and waiting for that day to come? Along with a lot of other people, I interpret this passage, in fact, the entire chapter in this gospel, to mean that the end of the world, the last great act in history, will come when God and God alone chooses. That's how it'll happen. Without any warnings, without any signs. I have people in my life who say things like this, and you may hear this, you may even articulate these things. I don't think it could get any worse. I mean, have you looked around lately? This is the worst time in history. There's all this stuff going on. Well, I've got news for you. We've lived about this long. There have always been dark times, difficult times, evil times, perhaps even more evil than the times that we live in right now. And yet I hear people say all the time, you know, something's got to give. God had better come back and solve this because it is bad. It is really bad. When God chooses, God will return. I mentioned earlier Jesus did say that certain things would happen before the end. And I would argue that they, in fact, have happened. Okay? For example, Elijah has come. Jesus said all these things need to happen. Elijah has come. The Son of Man, Jesus himself, has suffered and has risen. The temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed. The disciples have faced persecution and they continue to face persecution. The gospel is being preached to all nations. The truth is, we are at the end. We are living in the last days. In fact, we have been living in the last days for the last 2,000 years. Things are winding down. The game is almost over. And it's only a matter of time until the Lord returns. When? How? No one knows except God. But learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, Jesus said, you know that he is near. He's at the very gate. So the question is really this. What are we supposed to do? How then shall we live our lives between this first coming of Christ and this second coming? One writer suggested that we can only prepare ourselves for his return by constantly being prepared. What do we do? Do we do things differently? 
Do we do things the same? As we await the coming of the Lord, we are called in a variety of ways in Scripture to be awake, to be alert, to be watchful, to be vigilant. Are you ready for this one? To be busy. To be busy. To be busy serving God and other people. To be busy doing the things that God's called you to do as though this were your last day. Now, I don't suspect that many of us sit around with our sort of end-time charts trying to figure out when this is all going to happen. But I do suspect that there's a lot of us who aren't necessarily busy doing what God's called us to do, using the gifts that he's given us. The most important thing that we've been called to do as we wait is to preach the gospel to all nations in both word and deed to tell everyone, everyone who will listen, the good news about God's grace. And we do that in a variety of ways. That's what we've been called as followers of Christ to do. So the question this morning is, are you doing that as you wait? Perhaps you didn't even know you were waiting. That could be possible to preach the gospel. But I'm not a preacher. That's okay. Preaching is much more than words. When the Lord comes, I don't believe he's going to quiz people to see whose predictions were the most accurate. He will want to know what you and I were doing while he was away. Were we proclaiming the gospel faithfully? Were we living it out? Did our lives reflect the good news of Christ? Were we suffering faithfully? You see, one of my convictions is that the New Testament was written by Christians who were being persecuted, who were being killed because they believed in this one who supposedly rose from the dead. We are not persecuted We are not under great pressure. It's not that important to us that Jesus comes back and saves us right away. Because this is pretty doggone nice, isn't it? Just the way it is. Did we endure suffering? Were we fulfilling our tasks? Were we using the gifts and the talents that God gave us? Those are the things. When I talk about an accounting, those are the things that God is going to want to know. Those who have been asleep on the job, those who have buried their talents who have failed to invest them, will not only be embarrassed, but the Scripture says they'll be judged. And this is why Jesus warns us to be awake and to be on guard, to pay attention. There's a cartoon (laughs) that I saw one time, and this man is looking up into the sky, and he's approached by another man. And this man says, what are you doing? And he responds, I'm waiting for the Lord to come back. The other man responds, "But, but that's silly. He won't come back from up there. You can find him in ordinary life and loving your neighbor, doing good to those who hate you and suffering for your faith. The man, first man replies, did you say suffering for your faith? First, the last panel shows them both looking up into the sky and the first man says, I find this position much more comfortable. So as we wait, sometimes it's more comfortable to do nothing more than that. We may live in times of persecution, natural disaster, Well, we may live in times of relative peace and comfort, but the question remains, are you ready to meet Christ when he returns? The Bible says it will meet him face to face. The question is not whether we've taken our resources and converted them to physical assets, whether where neither stock market crashes nor computer failures can affect them, but whether we have taken our resources and our talents, our gifts, and yes, even our money, even our money, and converted them into spiritual assets, assets that will never pass away. The question of Advent is this, are you ready 
Are you awake? Are you prepared as you serve Christ for that day when he will return? Our blessed hope is that God will redeem our world. Are you ready to be redeemed? Are you willing to allow the potter to form you and me, these lumps of clay, into his image? Are you ready? Are you willing to faithfully proclaim the good news of Christ until he comes again? And to do that both through your actions and through the things you say. You see, that's what God asks us to do as we wait. is to be faithful and to do the things that he's gifted us to do. For some this morning, for some of us, this is a wake-up call to get busy. You know, we advocate in this church to not be busy, right? We say we're too busy. Well, I'm saying we need to get busy. <laughs> we need to be busy doing the things that God's called us and gifted us to do with balance. Every single one of you has been gifted by God. Every single one of you. There is every gift that's needful for us to be the church in this community, right here in this room, right here in this room. Will you use those gifts to serve him as you wait?